Welcome to The Extra, the show that connects you with the issues, topics, and people that are important to you. And this topic uh, that we're going to be talking about has to do with maybe turning over a new sustainable energy leaf. Uh, Maybe you want to have a better driving footprint by embracing an EV. An EV meaning an electric vehicle. So we're joined today by uh, Peter Glenn, who's the co-founder of EV Life and the CEO of this company. So first of all, Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Happy to be here. You bet. Uh, So first of all, how did you become involved in EVs or electric vehicles? Great question. I've always been passionate about uh, clean energy and helping uh, consumers make better choices that are better for their pocketbook and better for their planet. And so I co-founded EV Life in early 2020 um, with this mission of making electric vehicles more easy and affordable to understand. And so a big part of that is all the different considerations that are unique to an electric vehicle versus a gas vehicle. So you can save you know, money up front by taking advantage of maximum tax credits and rebates, um, save on fuel savings as you drive up to 80% less on fuel uh, versus a gas car when you charge using electricity. And of course, um, save on installing a charger in your home as well. um, So you can take advantage of the best rates uh, from your utility versus spending time at the gas station. So, so you've been uh, an EV proponent for quite some time. Uh, you probably get hit all the time with the arguments from uh, those who, you know, want uh, you know their cars to be gas powered. Uh, what What are the most common things that people find to criticize in EVs, and and how do you counter that? <laughs> Great question. I mean, I think that. Unfortunately, I don't spend too much time uh, trying to to refute critics um, as much as just to win champions, folks that want to drive cleaner and save money and the planet in the process. I think the biggest myth that at EV Life we're committed to helping folks overcome is this myth that electric vehicles are an expensive luxury um, and that the reality is that we can change a lot of minds when we start talking about dollars and cents. And in Colorado, there is now a $5,000 state tax credit. Um, there's actually a, a $2,500 kicker tax credit for income qualified folks. So up to $7,500 in Colorado tax credits. That's the best incentive for EV adoption in any state in the nation now. And when you combine that with a federal tax credit that's now available at the dealership when you purchase your vehicle, you could potentially take up to $15,000 You know in terms of tax credits that you could apply as a discount or like a discount um, on your EV. So when people think about affordable vehicles that are gas, typically you think about your Toyota Camrys, your Honda Accords, your Honda Civics. Um, We can finance at EV Life. We can help you take advantage of the tax credits and rebates and get EV financing that gives you a monthly payment that is nearly comparable to what you would pay for a new Camry or Civic um, for a Tesla or another electric vehicle that is attractive that you might have seen as an expensive luxury, but it's actually not anymore. So we're really out to break that myth that electric vehicles are an expensive luxury. They're actually affordable for many folks who are out buying cars right now. So is EV Life, is it a, uh, a lending entity or more of a research and support entity? 
We certainly offer some research and support, but we're primarily an EV finance platform. So we help customers uh, come on, and, and really this is the challenge, right? So if you're going out to get an auto loan or an auto lease today, that auto loan that might be used for an electric vehicle is the same auto lending technology that was applied to the Ford Model T over 100 years ago. And we believe that electric vehicles deserve a 21st century car loan. So when you come to EV Life and you pre-qualify for EV financing with us, we actually help you pre-qualify not only for the, the terms, like the interest rate on your loan, but also help you pre-qualify for tax credits and rebates and other incentives um, as well that can help lower the cost of your vehicle upfront. And then we also help you bundle in uh, home chargers and help you file all the paperwork for those tax credits, rebates, home chargers to just make everything simple. And we give you a lower monthly rate than what you would get on a traditional auto loan. So we're essentially using EV financing to pull together this new experience that a customer we believe needs to help save time and money on switching to an electric vehicle. Because sometimes one of the more expensive aspects of owning a, an electric vehicle is you do have to redo some of the, the uh, plug-in capacity at your home. That's correct, yeah. So uh, depending on your wiring, I, I think uh, to, to get into the weeds a little bit here, if you have time for it, um, if you already have a, a 240 volt plug, like a washer dryer plug in your garage, like you have a washing machine and a dryer in your garage, you might be able to use an inexpensive device called a smart splitter to be able to utilize uh, and install a charger um, on that smart splitter, that existing infrastructure that you've installed in your garage or near your garage um, and not require any electrician to come in and install a charger. But if you do need a charger installed, um, it could cost anywhere between $1,500 to $2,500 um, all in. That's inclusive of uh, the charging equipment plus the cost of the time and labor of an electrician to do the install. And so we've taken a lot of the ambiguity out of the, the challenge there. So when, when you get a loan from EV Life, um, we actually give you the opportunity to uh, get an instant quote from an installation partner that we can then finance as a part of your auto loan. So you can actually uh, get that $1,500 to $2,500 quote, and instead of paying it out of pocket, apply it to your auto loan and actually have just one low monthly payment for your auto loan that includes the installation of the charger. All right. Well, Peter Glenn is our guest today talking about EV life and uh, this uh, way to overcome perhaps what might be the number one barrier to electric vehicle adoption, the upfront price. When we come back, more with Peter Glenn here on The Extra talking about EVs. That's when we continue. We're back with Peter Glenn, the CEO of EV Life, uh, when it's a resource for people who are maybe on the precipice of buying an electric vehicle and trying to overcome what can be uh, a mental and financial barrier to uh, getting that EV. Because I'll tell you, I walked in to um, a Tesla dealership. They have one at the mall here in the Colorado area. And uh, and walked in and set up a test drive. Was very impressed by the whole thing. Uh, but then, as we were talking about how to finance it and what was involved, it really 
it really felt a, a bit overwhelming as a consumer, you know, and I consider myself a relatively savvy consumer. And, uh, and, and yet you were talking about this tax credit or this. I, I know Colorado has tried to make it easier uh, with more tax credits, but how do those tax credits work? Great question. So I'll list them out um, really quickly, and then I'll talk about some strategies for how a Colorado resident can take advantage of tax credits more easily. But at a high level, there's a tax credit that is in the state of Colorado that's worth $5,000 to $7,500, depending on your income. There is an additional, um, the, the Colorado Vehicle Exchange, which is a new program that was launched last summer, offers another $4,000 rebate for a used vehicle or $6,000 for a new EV if you have an older gasoline vehicle that you're going to retire through that program. So there, again, with all of these, there are specific rules and conditions that apply to your income, apply to the vehicle you're looking at. So it's a bit complex. Um, Excel Energy and other utilities in, in the state also have incentives for installing chargers in your home. Um, and these programs all net up to making uh, EVs more accessible and affordable for more Coloradans. Um, of course, there's also the federal tax credit, which is worth $7,500. There are a number of different terms and conditions that limit the number of vehicles that qualify, but most of the most popular vehicles, including the Tesla Model Y, the Chevy Bolt, um, all include, still include tax credits. Um, federal tax credits, which can now be applied at point of sale, meaning that the $7,500, if your income and your vehicle qualify, that $7,500 can be applied at the dealership like an upfront discount. So when you're talking about that, being able to be applied as an upfront discount, I mean, that that speaks to me and I think a lot of other consumers because that brings down the overall loan costs um, because you have more money that you're bringing to the table in terms of a, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> you can't see, but because uh, yeah. I'm on radio, but uh, I'm using air quotes here as a down yeah. payment. Um, it, how much does it, can it potentially bring down your payments? Yeah, so if, if you qualify for the maximum amount you, on, a, on a new vehicle, you could potentially um, qualify for over $20,000 in different tax credits and rebate programs on a new electric vehicle in Colorado. Um, again, depending on the vehicle you're looking at, depending on your income. Now, how do I understand if I qualify for all this? Well, you could do it yourself and get a PHP and EVs and UC incentives in Colorado and spend the next several weeks kind of digging into this as a passion project. Or you could just go to evlife.co and you could see what you're qualified based on your zip code, a few personal household uh, details like your income and how much you make, um, and then the vehicles you're looking at. And you can see really quickly um, what I qualify for this vehicle, what I don't qualify for that vehicle, and make a more informed decision faster in seconds versus weeks or months of research, which could get quite frustrating. And we still haven't met a customer who came to our platform and, and qualified for financing and didn't, uh, you know, had, had, had basically spotted all the different incentives. And because we're building this technology to help um, everyone qualify for the maximum amount of tax credits and rebates, and we're experts in this area, we're really here to help our customers, you know, maximize their savings and minimize the amount of time that needs to be invested to get clarity. 
Now, some of the uh, car makers had tax credits decrease uh, as of 2024. Why was that? And, and what kind of cars are we talking about? Yeah, so it's important to note that under the Inflation Reduction Act, the federal tax credit had, had certain rules come in effect in, in January. So, you know, the, the short-term bad news is that, you know, more than half of the makes and models that did qualify for uh, tax credits in December uh, lost tax credits coming into the year. But important to note that if you look at the popular vehicles that were sold, the Tesla Model Ys, um, the, the Chevy Bolts, those all still have tax credits. And if we look at the data, roughly 60% of EVs that were sold in the first three quarters of 2023, which is the best data we have on, on last year, actually still have tax credits intact. So while it, it is sad that some less popular makes and models lost tax credits for now, the majority of the popular tax credits remain on those popular electric vehicles. Um, what's, what's influencing the, the short-term reduction of vehicles that qualify for tax credits has to do with you know, how the minerals in your, in your battery are sourced, how the components are manufactured, whether manufactured in North America or not. Um, again, it's all really complex, but the challenge, you know, the, the federal government with the Inflation Reduction Act put these rules in place so we would be, in the long term, less dependent on, uh, on foreign countries for energy independence, right? With the gasoline vehicle, the United States has been largely, over the past several decades, increasingly dependent on fossil fuels from the Middle East or Russia, other petro-dictatorships, right? Places where we don't necessarily want to rely on um, for their stability uh, or, or even send money their way to support their governments, which in many cases don't support democracy. I think what the federal government in this case has done is said, you know, we're looking at like China in particular being a, the largest source of battery technology, battery materials for electric vehicles and saying, we don't want to be dependent on China or any other nation. We want energy independence here in the United States. And so they're incentivizing more manufacturing and sourcing of the battery materials here in North America. So Canada, the United States and Mexico. And the result is the creation of thousands, tens of thousands of green jobs and more and more automakers are going to have vehicles that qualify for tax credits this year. There's already rumors that Tesla and Nissan and other automakers are releasing uh, new versions of the vehicles or, or racing to change their battery components in a positive way. So it's creating this virtuous circle where we're creating more North American jobs. These are clean energy jobs that are good paying and that more vehicles will qualify for the tax credit, the federal tax credit by end of year. Peter, uh, I I don't know if I recall this, and maybe my memory is faulty, but is there an advantage to doing it earlier in a calendar year than later? I mean, do those tax credits, I mean, get used up at a certain point? Uh, the tax credits are, are budgeted through, the federal tax credits are budgeted through uh, 2032. So we're not really facing any, any budget issues. Um, in the state of Colorado, though, um, you know, I think in 2025, starting in 2025, there's a gradual phase out of the tax credit. So certainly it's, I would recommend um, taking advantage of these programs as early as you can. But uh, the phase out of the Colorado tax credits won't begin for at least another year. Um, or, or it won't be a phase out as much as like a gradual decrease over time. 
Before we go, I, I want to ask you, Peter, uh, about this concept of, of the pass-through credit. Uh, what is that and how do dealerships get involved? Great question, Shannon. So for the federal tax credit, which is worth up to $7,500, starting in January 1, um, registered dealers with the IRS can actually pass through the federal tax credit of up to $7,500. And Tesla has, has rolled that out across the state, across the nation, as well as other um, different car dealers as well. Um, for the state uh, tax credit, which again is worth $5,000 to $7,500, not all dealers in Colorado are registered for this program to be able to pass the tax credit through. To the best of my knowledge, I can confirm that Nissan and Chevrolet dealerships do the pass-through of up to $7,500 if you're qualified for the tax credit. So that could be an additional $7,500 up front in addition to the $7,500 from the state. Now, if you're looking to finance a Tesla, for example, um, and Tesla makes up more than 50% of EVs sold in the U.S. Um, Tesla does not yet pass through the tax credit at point of sale for the state of Colorado. So if you want to uh, get take advantage of the, the tax credit from the state of Colorado, EV Life has an option to defer the, the up to $7,500 tax credit from Colorado um, in your financing like a down payment that you have up to 18 months to repay. So essentially, that can reduce over $100 a month um, in your monthly payment, and you can take advantage of it. And then when you get your tax credit back with your taxes, it, it will come back as cash if you're not reducing tax liability, um, that, that you'll have an opportunity to have 18 months and a lower monthly payment to actually uh, take advantage of the Colorado tax credit if you can't get it at the dealership up front. Well, fascinating to learn about all this. Peter Glenn has been our guest CEO of EV Life, uh, maybe encouraging you to turn over a new leaf when it comes to sustainable energy consumption in your commuting uh, around Colorado. Peter, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Shannon. And if people would like to learn more, go to evlife.co. We'll get that uh, link up on our podcast page here on KRDO News Radio. We're back in a couple of minutes with more of the extra. Welcome back to the second half hour of the Extra Show. Earlier, we were talking with Peter Glenn, who's the CEO of EV Live, which is a finance platform launched in Colorado to help people maximize their savings when they're purchasing or leasing EVs. And we're going to stay in the same zone of sustainability, talking about energy consumption, talking about ways that we can all look to the future with sustainability. So joining us right now on the KRDO Newsline, we're so pleased to have with us David Longree, who's Manager of Energy Resource Planning and Innovation at Colorado Springs Utilities. David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. So let me ask you this, uh, with uh, such a, an umbrella that you have, energy, resource ma- planning, and innovation, it sounds like you are looking at sustainability and energy conservation consumption decreases as a way going forward, right? That is correct. So tell us uh, what the mission is, how you see the mission at Springs Utilities when it comes to this. Yeah, so one of the umbrellas that we use for our energy planning is really our sustainable energy plan. So looking at what does our future grid look like from both a generation standpoint, so moving away from 
coal powered, moving away from some of the fossil fuel uh, generators into more wind, solar, and energy storage. Uh, so we look at that as far as how are we going to generate electricity in the future. Uh, we also look at it from a grid reliability standpoint, and so doing projects to ensure that you know both we're making sure we can incorporate those renewable resources into our system. Um, but like your last guest was talking about electric vehicles, we are experiencing electric vehicle growth in our community. So we need to make sure that our grid, our substations, our transmission lines, our distribution system um, is in a position that we can handle this increased load from these new electrical resources. Yeah, because basically you have to project what that growth might be. And and that's not your primary business is, is vehicle sales. But uh, at the same time, when we're looking at uh, vehicle owners and new car purchasers uh, adopting this kind of energy system, I mean, that impacts the grid, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yes, it matters more from a, a load standpoint. So we're increasing the usage. But then with electric vehicle chargers, they're placed, you know, generally together. Um, and so we have to look and make sure those particular areas of our system are going to be able to handle that because historically, you know, homes don't use as much um, electricity you know, all at once. And the DC fast chargers, the direct current fast chargers that are being installed, those use a lot of electricity really quickly and they're very uh, consolidated into certain areas. And so we've got to make sure that we understand what that industry is doing um, as we are the new fuel source for transportation. Yeah, indeed. David, what are your concerns moving forward? It sounds like, will the grid be able to sustain this as one? Yeah, I mean, we, as we're, you know, that's part of what planning does is to make sure that we can support this as we go uh, forward. And so we are changing in a lot of fronts. So we talked about the transportation sector, decarbonizing, moving to electric, uh, Colorado also passed the Clean Heat Plan, which is looking to reduce natural gas usage uh, from, you know, from our customers you know, through your furnace and moving that to an electrical load as well. And so, you know, I think one of the things that we're, I'll say concerned about, but we're looking at is we have all of these different sectors trying to electrify and we're trying to reduce the carbon emissions from our own generation fleet. So you have a lot of these things that are in tension and all putting a lot of pressure onto our grid. So it is looking at how do we balance all of these and sometimes competing uh, interests. Now, it's easy to see and hear, actually, the decommissioning of the Drake Power Plant. Uh, Did that fit into the plans, or was that always a part of the future path forward for for Springs Utilities? Yeah, that power plant um, has always been in our plan to retire. We were able to move that retirement up um, and, and some of the benefit of that was obviously we're not burning as much coal in our system, so it was able to reduce our carbon emissions. Uh, but those units have been there since, you know, the early 1900s with original Drake One. And so, you know, that, that facility was starting to age with some of those units. And what we're seeing now in the industry are the need is, is the need for faster ramping generation, as we call it, so that it's able to turn up and get to a higher load quicker, and then we're able to turn it down quicker as we're trying to integrate renewables into our system. And so some of the newer technologies, uh, while they're cleaner, they also will operate better in this new energy paradigm. 
some people uh, have voiced objections to uh, whether it's a solar panel display grid. I don't know what they would call it, farms, farms, or uh, also uh, wind turbine farms. What's your answer to those who who say, I don't want those, I don't want more of those, etc.? Yeah, there's always competing interest, uh, and that's one of the things that we do balance is we recognize that uh, renewable energy has some value in being carbon-free as far as how it generates electricity, and it can often be a low-cost energy. Uh, But we we do have to balance that with the fact that it does take up a lot of space. Um, Solar farms do take up a lot of acreage in order to get the same amount of generation that was, you know, for example, to replace Drake, you know, it's about a thousand to two thousand acres of land versus, you know, pretty small footprint that we're able to uh, generate with a coal unit. And so, you know, as we try to talk with people, it is trying to find that balance of helping to decarbonize our system while trying to minimize uh, some of the negative impacts as far as land use um, and then just overall, you know, visibility in, in the landscape of, of Colorado, making sure that we're trying to balance the the beautiful state that we do live in. David Longry is our guest uh, for this second half hour as we are continuing our discussion here on The Extra uh, about sustainability and moving forward with uh, perhaps new technology that takes less of a drain on fossil fuel resources, but also is a big transition for people. So we're going to talk about the ways that uh, systems like Colorado Springs Utilities are working to make things easier for homeowners, renters, drivers making those transitions. That's when the extra continues. We're back with the extra and our guest today, David Longry. Uh, he's a guest in our second half hour. So, David, just as uh, people who are embracing maybe EV technology uh, are taking on a, a big purchase price, sometimes bigger than a normal car, for getting one of those EV cars. Uh, So, too, do regular homeowners or landlords uh, are embracing a big investment in infrastructure when they're trying to uh, switch over to more uh, or more fuel efficient or energy efficient appliances and other things that that utilize the resources in their home. So let's talk about this. What kind of programs are out there that help homeowners make this transition? Yeah, so there's there's quite a bit currently. Um, even at the federal level through the Inflation Reduction Act, there's a lot of um, incentives that are out there to help offset some of the costs of these new resources. Uh, the state of Colorado offers programs as well. And then as Colorado Springs Utilities, we also offer programs that help people reduce their usage. Uh, One of the big ones that we're talking about now and trying to get our customers educated on is um, heat pumps. And so you can actually use a heat pump, and that's kind of a confusing name sometimes, but it acts as both an air conditioner and a furnace, and it can replace your gas furnace. Um, And so somebody like me who doesn't have air conditioning, if you're looking at getting air conditioning, you can add a heat pump, which would replace your furnace, and add air conditioning all within one unit. And those units are much more efficient than your furnace, even some of the higher efficient furnaces that are out there. Uh, And it does use electricity, and so it helps us meet our clean heat plan objectives that I mentioned previously, where we're trying to reduce our natural gas usage um, and move it to electric, and then it's a much more efficient uh, way to heat and cool your home. 
Uh, we'll also have our Peak Energy Rewards Program, which is a thermostat program for your traditional you know, air conditioning and furnace, where we'll give you a rebate on both the thermostat itself and then an annual payment to allow us to pre-cool your home in the summer. And then in those key hours where a lot of people are using electricity at one time, we lower the usage of your air conditioning during that time. And that helps us make sure that we're balancing the grid uh, in those heavy use times. Right, right. Because uh, oftentimes, I mean, what happens with our family, we have a traditional thermostat. And, you know, the first person who arrives home after school or work is the one who starts the air conditioning, cooling things down. But it doesn't cool down for a while. And then it's almost time to go to bed. So we've kind of wasted, you know, whatever energy we've spent on that. And we're probably doing it at the same time that everyone else is doing it, right? That's correct. Yeah, and that's why the smart thermostats, even as a base, helps because they can help learn your behaviors and, and help even pre-cool your home. Um, and that is exactly, you mentioned it, people come home right at the end of the day, they plug in their electric vehicle, they turn on their air conditioner, and that's right around the same time when the sun's going down. And so as we start to increase our solar as part of our, one of our main generation components, that solar energy is going away. And so in a lot of times, wind hasn't picked up. It's usually a late evening resource um, and so we find ourselves in this tougher position when everybody's trying to use electricity at the same time. And that's actually one of the more difficult times of the day to be able to generate, especially with renewable resources. So when it comes to these costs, I mean, can you throw out some ballparks? I mean, like how much does it cost to switch your home over to one of these uh, thermostats and these smart thermostats? And when you're talking about doing that, how much can get subsidized? Yeah, so thermostats are actually very fairly inexpensive uh, tool. There's a lot of them on the market now that for probably $50 to $100, you could get the thermostat. Um, depending on how, what program and what you get, we offer between $25 and $50 um, to help offset that. So it's a really uh, minor barrier of entry to get into the smart thermostat. But the heat pumps are a bit different? The, the heat pumps are more expensive. Um, I don't have figures right in front of me for how much they're going to cost, but they generally are uh, more expensive than your traditional furnace uh, for just a pure replacement. But if for somebody who is looking at a furnace and air conditioner combination, uh, it's very comparable to that. And then if you look at the overall potential for long-term savings, um, we find that you know over the life of these units, you can actually save money, even though there is a little bit more of an upfront cost. So a lot of what you're doing, looking at energy resource planning and innovation, I mean, if you do your job right, I mean, eventually we might be talking that this job won't exist, right? Because you're trying to make it so sustainable that we won't need to uh, really worry as much about the uh, impacts on our natural resources as we may do right now. Yeah, I think there's, I think it's, I think for one, I do hope I'll always have a job, but I think there's always <laughs> going to be something new that we're looking at um, and, you know, and how to continue to make the grid um, more intelligent. I mean, one of the things that is a challenge or change now is our customers now are producing electricity on their homes. Um, and so, you know, even as we get to be more renewable, how we operate our system is continually changing. Whereas historically, we've been the generator, you buy the electrons from us and, and that's it. Now you can generate your own electricity, push that back to the grid, sell that to your neighbor um, through our system. And so we have to make sure our system is balanced with that. So with each of the changes that we're seeing um, along the way, it does add another complexity and another thing that we now have to look at and how we 
um, evaluate or run our system. Would you say that Colorado Springs Utilities is supportive of homeowners who are going that route and, and putting in solar panels on top of their homes and, and uh, working with them to you know make it as easy as possible to deal with that? We do. Yeah, we actually, um, uh, we do, I think, a pretty good job of supporting that. We've got um, several team members actually on my team that, that do all of our interconnection agreements. We actually have a project right now where we're looking to get a, a tool, a web-based tool that makes it more simple um, and gives a lot more real-time feedback and quicker turnaround for us to be able to get these projects interconnected. So uh, we do recognize that this is something that our customers want and we want to be able to support them. We're also looking at um, you know, how to continue to encourage our customers to potentially pair their solar with storage. We mentioned that time of use when you use electricity really matters now. And so if we can get more of our customers to add storage with their solar, we're able to take that solar during the middle of the day when generally people aren't home, put that into their battery, and then use that energy during those difficult times that when everybody's using electricity and the sun's dropping. So actually trying to figure out how can we continue to work with our customers um, to both help them save money, but then also to help the grid as a whole. Mm, fascinating. Well, as as we get ready to sign off here, David Longree, our guest from Colorado Springs Utilities, is there anything else you would like the audience to know about Springs Utilities and its mission in uh, providing energy that is sustainable? Yeah, I think the probably the last the message is as we go through this energy transition, um, everybody has a role to play in this. Um, again, we talked about it quite a bit. Is when you use electricity really does make a difference on our system, and the more we can use electricity during the times of high renewable energy, typically the middle of the day, uh, the more we're going to be able to reduce our carbon emissions and keep that sustainable. Um, energy delivery. And so um, as we move forward, we're going to continue to try to help our customers better utilize their energy at those key times. And so it's going to take all of us to make this transition successful. Well, David Longry, very glad to have you here on The Extra. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And if you would like to find out more about Springs Utilities and its mission and goals and plans and projects, you can go to csu.org, csu.org. And to our earlier guest, Peter Glenn, CEO of EV Life, that finance platform, if you'd like to find out more about EV Life, go to evlife.co. That's been the extra here on KRDO News Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Shannon Bernius. Have a great day.